But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. morning. It's uh, good to be back here after having been at the ICF college retreat last weekend and the marriage retreat uh, the week before. Uh, since then, as many of you probably know, we've started a new sermon series called How to Get Unstuck Spiritually. It's going to take us to the end of April. In thinking over the sermon series, I, I find it to be rather helpful because we know, and, and many of us probably from experience, that sanctification is not linear. That's to say that our, our walk with God is not always a simple straight line, a simple walk from point A to point B as we seek to grow in righteousness. There's an old saying that's been attributed to Martin Luther sometimes. I thought I drowned the old Adam in the waters of baptism, but I discovered that miserable wretch can still swim. And so we find that our our spiritual growth is long, sometimes fast, but often slow, usually moving forward, but sometimes taking a few steps back. And at times, for some of us, we get stuck spiritually. Maybe that's where you're at this morning, or you've been for quite a while. And for others of you, maybe you're not there anymore, but you've been there. You know what it's like. Wherever you might place yourself spiritually, as Pastor Jeff preached two weeks ago, God in his power has given us all things necessary for life and godliness. And so as we explore what he's given us over the next few weeks, uh, we seek to put into practice that which might help us get unstuck spiritually and to grow spiritually. And so last week, our, our guest speaker, Will, he preached on prayer. We should be praying more, right? And this week, we'll be looking at the Word, the Word of God, the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. So pretty straightforward, right? Everyone, just read your Bible. Got it? All right, let's pray. Okay, we still have a little bit of time before church lunch. And so since the, the sermon today is on the Word, it, it behooves us actually to go to the Word to see what God says. So if you have your Bibles, uh, and I hope you do, turn with me to 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17. Paul is writing there in this letter to Timothy while he's in prison. He's, he's potentially facing his end. And he writes to encourage Timothy, to exhort him to boldness, to endurance, to faithfulness, particularly in the face of these false teachers with their, their false teaching and their false beliefs. In our passage this morning, we're going to see that Paul gives one very clear command to Timothy which becomes a word for us. And this command is followed up with three reasons. So one command and three reasons. The command is this. Stay in the scripture. Stay in the scripture. Or, or put it another way, remain in the word. So Paul writes to Timothy in verse 14, but as for you, 
Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. And one of the ways in which Timothy is to do that and and where to do that is to to stay in the scriptures. You might have noticed that our our passage begins with a but. It's the second half of a larger section where Paul is encouraging Timothy. He's talking about his persecution. He's talking about these false teachers who who are going about deceiving and also being deceived. They're deceiving others, but the deception with which they deceive others is also deceiving themselves. It's this downward spiral, this negative feedback loop that leads nowhere good. And so Paul, having described these opponents, he begins verse 14 with a a but you. Now this is not the case with you, Timothy. And so he exhorts him, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. It's a command. It's the only command in this larger section of verses 10 to 17. And the word there for continue is is literally remain. Remain in the word. Stay in the scriptures in contrast to these false teachers who, who espouse false hopes and doctrines, who deceived and are deceived. And this word continue or remain, it's the same word Jesus uses. When he talks about abiding in him and his word. So John 8, 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If you continue or remain in my word. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So what Paul is getting at here is steadfastness. Commitment. And not a one-time thing. It's ongoing. I think that's why a lot of the the translations you might see, it it reads continue. They want to highlight the fact that what Timothy has learned and believed is something he has to continually learn and believe. And what is that thing? It's the word of God. The Old Testament scriptures, as well as the gospel of Jesus Christ. The entirety of God's word revealed in the scriptures that point to Jesus Christ. And so Paul urges Timothy, stay in the scriptures. Hold steadfast to the gospel, to what you learned and firmly believed. What Paul is encouraging and commanding Timothy to do is is a challenge for us today as well. How well do we continue in what we have learned and believed? How well do we abide in his word? You know, for many of us, it's, it's difficult. You and I both. Every year, the American Bible Society, in partnership with Barner Research Group, they put out this report called the State of the Bible. And in this report, among many, many other things, they look at the problem of biblical illiteracy. They note on their website, a new generation is coming of age with very little knowledge of God's word. So one of the main things that the, the State of the Bible 2019 reports, uh, what it measures is scripture engagement, which they measure and define as, one, consistent interaction with the Bible, that two, shapes people's choices, and three, transforms their relationships. So scripture engagement is measured by three things. How often are you going to the God's word, reading the Bible? Does God's word shape the choices you make in life? 
Does the word of God transform your relationship with God and with the people around you? They put this on a, a scale ranging from the, the Bible disengaged to the Bible centered. And so here are some of the results they found. Only 5% were Bible centered. So that meant only 5% claimed all three. Frequent interaction with the word of God, shaping choices, transforming relationships. 19% were Bible engaged. So they had frequent interaction and, and the word of God transforming their relationships. But the Bible didn't play too big of a role in, in shaping the choices and decisions they made in their lives. Another 19% were Bible friendly. So they had consistent but not frequent interaction with the Bible. And, and more or less, they treated the Bible as more of a, a source of spiritual insight and wisdom. And the rest fit under Bible neutral and Bible disengaged, essentially lacking all three. Here's some of the other things the report found that were quite interesting. When it came to looking across different ethnicities at the level of Bible use, and the desire to use the Bible more, Asians and whites scored the lowest. The average was 56%, the whites had 53%, and Asians had the lowest at 39%. Even with a curve, you'd probably still fail. And the report measures many other things too. So here's one of the main takeaways. I think we recognize that for some of us, we're not where we should be in terms of re remaining in God's word and, and abiding in him, continuing in, in what we learned and believed. We all recognize this struggle. Second, for, for many of the things that the report mentioned, the, the basic gist was that the more your Bible centered, the more the, the word of God has an impact on your life, on, on your relationship with God. The more it transforms you, the more you engage with God's word, the more you're aware of how much you need God, the more you sense a connection to God, and even the more you're curious to know God better. And, and much of this is not too surprising to, to many of us. I mean, we know it's difficult. It's, a, it's hard at times to remain in his word. It's hard to, to, to pick up that Bible and blow that dust off and, and open it. it. It's hard to swipe to page four or five on your phone to where your Bible app is and to open it up. And yet we are commanded to stay in the scripture. Abide in his word, remain in his word. Paul knew how important it was for Timothy to remain steadfast to the gospel of Jesus Christ, especially when there were all these opponents espoused from false hope, wrong beliefs, things that led the people away from God. And that's especially important in a day and age where we're absorbing so much information from a multitude of sources each day. Sound bites, podcasts, TV shows, music, radio, articles, the internet, advertisements that we see on our commutes, on the billboards, on the subway, or in the, in the games that we play because we're too cheap to play, pay for the ad-free version. A lot of information that we're absorbing. One, one study from a, about even 10 years ago noted that Americans absorb and consume about 100,000 words of information each day. It's not like we're literally reading 100,000 words, but we consume it 
in one manner or another. And whether we like to or not, what we take in shapes us. You engage with this information frequently. Some of that information shapes the choices we make, transforms the relationships you have. 100,000 words of information a day. Now, if you look at your Bible, you know, many, of, many of us look at this and say, man, this is a, it's a lot to read. It's a lot to take in. The ESV translation uh, has approximately 757,439 words. But if you think about it, in the span of a week, the amount of information we consume amounts to almost a Bible a week. What's the point here? Not that we need to read the Bible, the whole Bible every week. But if we think about it, if the only time that we ever open God's word is for the 30 to 40 minute sermon once a week on Sundays, do we expect to get unstuck spiritually? Do we expect to see transformation, to have a greater awareness of how much we need God? Take, for example, this sermon that I'm preaching right now. This sermon is about 5,342 words. And, and a lot of it is just illustrations and stories and, and statistics. Compare that to the 700,000 words of information we intake each week. Stay in the Word. Remain in the Word. Paul continues on in this passage after this command with three reasons why we can do this. The first reason, because it is true. So he continues on saying, uh, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed, Knowing, or, or because you know from whom you learned it and from, how, from childhood, how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. When Paul says firmly believed, he's getting at, uh, he's not, th this is the gospel that it's not just something you've learned, it's something you've been convinced of, that it's the truth. And he lays out two sources of confidence for Timothy. First, because you know from whom you learned it. You can have confidence that what you believe is true because of the character of those who taught you. So in Paul's mind, he's probably thinking of Timothy's grandmother Lois, his mother Eunice, and maybe Paul himself too. He wrote early in the letter in chapter 1-5. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. The character of the teachers lends to the credibility of their testimony. So he says, look to them. They taught you from childhood. As soon as you were able to be taught, they taught you. Whether that was five years old or four years old or what have you, they brought you up on the holy word of God. The second source of confidence. The word of God does the work of God. So from childhood, Timothy knew the sacred writings, the holy scriptures, which were able to make him wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now we know the scriptures themselves, the scriptures themselves don't save. Jesus saves. But the Bible, the word of God, makes us wise for salvation. As one pastor put it, God's word is not just informational, 
it's not just inspiration. It is transformation. It can bring about change. So not only does God speak through his word, but God works through his word to bring about change in your life and transformation in and of itself. If you turn with me quickly to Psalm 19, 7 to 8, I, I want to show you, I think, demonstrate what Paul's getting at here. David sings of the law of the Lord. He says there in Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart, and the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So do you see this, this parallel that he's seeing here? It begins with a statement of what God's word is. It is perfect, sure, right, pure. Then a statement of what the word of God does. It revives the soul, it re renews you, it, it tells you who you are. It makes wise the simple. It prepares you to see God's historical redemptive plan in Jesus. It rejoices your hearts. It enlightens your eyes. The word of God does the work of God. And so it was the case with Timothy. Paul says, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe because you know from experience that the scriptures brought you to Christ. It's not just objective learning, but also experiential validation for Timothy. What difference does that make for us? My, why, why might we be motivated or encouraged to abide in his word? Well, maybe in part because of the character of those who taught us first. Those who discipled and, and mentored you, the, their character lends to the credibility of their testimony. You can have confidence in what you believe. Pastors, elders, deacons, your parents or grandparents, like with Timothy, Sunday school teachers, youth group counselors. We have the privilege of being part of this multi-generational church. Five ministries, children's, youth, Crossbridge, Chinese ministry and city outreach ministry. Even within Crossbridge, if you look around, our, our congregation has grown up. Some of you are now worshiping alongside those who taught you or along those whom you taught. You're sitting right next to them. Stay in the scripture because it is true. We can have confidence in this because of the character of those who taught us. We can also have confidence because the word of God does the work of God. And even if we're stuck spiritually now, hopefully, you know, we've seen it at some point in our life, what, what the word of God has done. We've seen how the, the scriptures has made us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And how did it do so? Question 15 of the New City Catechism. What is the law's purpose? That we may know the holy nature and will of God and the simple nature and disobedience of our hearts. And thus our need of a Savior. The law also teaches us and exhorts us to live a life worthy of our Savior. God's word convicts us of our sin. It points us to Christ. Remain in his word. First reason, because it is true. Here's the second. Because it is from God. Beginning of verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. Paul is getting at 
that the thing in which Timothy must continue in, continue in is from God, not man. The source of Scripture is God himself, and therefore it is authoritative for our lives. Crossbridge has five core values. Not sure if you remember that or, or, or knew that. The five core values are God-centered, biblical, transformational, communal, and missional. So aside from God-centered, they all end in alls, right? And they're all listed on our website if you want to check it out later. Here's a short statement on the biblical core values. God speaks to us most clearly and reliably in the Bible. Therefore, we seek to understand Scripture accurately and apply it relevantly. Brothers and sisters, we worship a God who speaks, who has given us his word that we may know him and trust him, obey him, and glorify him. And so our relationship with God should include communication with God. Last week, Will preached on prayer, right? A way for us to, to speak to God. This week, the word. A, a primary way that God speaks to us. And so this back and forth. We hear him speak, we respond back. Sometimes we're stuck spiritually because we think we know God, but we really just know about God. If I follow someone on Instagram, or even if I'm Facebook friends with them, right, does that mean I'm in a relationship with them? I can, I can look at their stories. I, I might know the restaurants they like to frequent to or the things they like to do because we post too much stuff on social media now or even where they're at right now. Or if I'm really good, I, I might be able to infer what their job is or what school they go to and who their family members are. I'm starting to get a little bit creepy here. But, but no one, right, would claim that I'm in a relationship with that person because there's no direct contact there, right? There's no communication between me and them. When Yin and I were, were getting married, we were sending out wedding invites. And I'd sent one to a, a friend of mine uh, that I'd known from a while back. Turns out that this friend was a little bit surprised that, that he got one. Because we hadn't, we hadn't stayed in touch, and we hadn't talked in years. And, but here's the problem. See, I had deceived myself into thinking that that relationship was more than what it actually was. Because I saw everything that they did on Facebook. Saw the life changes they posted about, saw the schools they were going to, the things they did. But these are simply things that I knew about them. Our, our relationship wasn't really there anymore. It wasn't the same after we stopped talking. In the same way, God has spoken to us in his word. Let's listen and respond. Stay in the scripture. Remain in the word. First, because it's true. Second, because it's from God. Here's the third reason. Because it's profitable for every good work. He continues on with, in this passage, all scripture is breathed out by God and, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So Paul lists four things that Scripture is profitable or, or useful for. Teaching, right? The Word of God tells me things I don't know. About God, about the world that I live in, about, about myself even. Scripture is uh, useful for 
reproof, or in some translations, rebuking. They are to get in my face about the things I say I believe in, but don't live consistently in. Correction. It exposes the wrong ways of thinking and behaving that I exhibit sometimes. And lastly, training in righteousness. It's there to show me a new way of being truly human. What it means to be the new creation in Christ. And he lists it in this chiastic structure. Some of you might remember that that phrase or that format from Elder Chris's sermon way back, I think, in the Gospel of Mark. But anyways, it's laid out like this, right? There's a positive statement, negative statement, negative statement, and then a positive statement. So it mirrors each other. So scripture instructs positively with teaching. It reproofs negative beliefs or behavior, tells us what we shouldn't do or believe. It it corrects those same negative things. And then it instructs positively, again, with training in righteousness. This is how you are to live. And all of this, I think even the structure, points us to verse 17. That the man and woman of God might be complete. That that, it tells us the purpose of God's word. It is so we may be complete in the sense of being competent, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Abide in God's word because it is profitable, useful for every good work. And in Timothy's case, that most directly means ministry. That's why if you were to look ahead, Paul charges him to to preach the word. And for us too, we see the usefulness of God's word. It not only does the work of God in our own hearts, and in the lives that we, we minister to, but it also equips us for the work of God. Stay in Scripture. Abide in God's Word. Remain in it. Because it is true. Because it is from God. Because it is profitable for every good work. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't offer some practical ways uh, in which we could do so for such a practical sermon series, right? So let me preface what I'm about to share by saying this is not an exhaustive list. You don't have to do every single thing on this list. Some of it will work better for you than others. I'm not being paid to advertise any of these things. don't have any endorsement deals with Christian book distributors or, or what have you. These are simply things that I've done myself or I know people, other pastors that have done at different seasons in my own life. So I wish to share some of it with you. Especially to those of you who at this point in the sermon might be wondering, okay, you know, I get it. Right? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Right? You said that at the very beginning. You've been saying it every single time. right? But I still don't know where to start. So if you haven't been taking notes, it, it's fine. But this might be a good point just to jot down some of these things. There's a a couple points, fair warning. So for some of you, you might be wondering, you know, okay, I've opened up the Bible. You know, now what? Others might be thinking, reading is difficult. What else you got? There may also be others thinking, you know, I I just, I don't want to just read. I want to know what I believe. How can I articulate what is sin and what is the gospel? 
How can I continue in it and learn uh, in what I've learned and what I firmly believe? So let me, let me try and give a few examples of each. So first, if, if you don't know where to start, come to one of our fellowships where we do Bible study. Small plug there. Some of the small group leaders, you know, I have to give a shout out. They've been very faithful. They attend a pre-study with me every other Wednesday for, uh, for about an hour and a half where we go over the passage. We raise questions. We talk about implications and applications of the passage. And all of this is to prepare them so that during the actual fellowship time, when you come, th- those who come can learn not just what God is saying through his word, but also how to read his word for themselves on their own time. And I would encourage that uh, for those of you who are serving and helping to train up those younger than you to know God's word, maybe like what Lois and, and Eunice did for Timothy, the youth or your own children, what have you, I would encourage and exhort you that you too have a place where in fellowship, through the word, you are taught, reproved, corrected, trained in righteousness, that you might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All right, so that's one thing, right? Staying in scripture together. Another, if you don't know where to start a a Bible reading plan, we'll tell you how. Here's two that that work well. First, there's the Read Scripture app by the Bible Project. Very well put together. Even includes some of their videos built in so that as you read scripture, you can watch these videos and it'll help you understand what you're actually reading. It'll outline the book for you, explain some of these common themes, and so on and so forth. Read scripture. Another one, openthebible.org. Openthebible.org. So the State of the Bible report that I mentioned earlier found that 63% of people showed some curiosity in knowing the Bible better. That means non-Christians and Christians. 63%. 29% showed a strong curiosity. And so that statistic, along with the belief that the Word of God does the work of God, brought about OpenTheBible.org. 50 sections that take you through uh, parts of the Bible. Each section has a passage, a short teaching, and some discussion questions. You can go through it on your own. You can go through it with a friend, whether they're Christian or not, because they might be part of that 63%. You might be part of that 63%. The idea is that God's word itself will make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All right, what else? Maybe Bible reading plans aren't for you because you start at Genesis and you stop at Leviticus every time, every year. This would be around that time, I think, right? February or so, March. There's an article by Pastor Garrett Kell on the Gospel Coalition website titled, Every Book of the Bible Summarized, Summed Up in One Word. Every Book of the Bible Summed Up in One Word. He admits summarizing every book into one word is a bit reductionistic, so it's not going to be perfect, but for some of us, it's good enough to figure out, you know, which book do I want to read. If you want something a little more, bit more detailed, watch the Read Scripture videos on YouTube by The Bible Project. Each video lays out the themes of the book uh, of the Bible. And it'll help you settle on where to start. So these are a few ideas if you're wondering where to start. What, what if you find yourself sitting to read re- really difficult? 
What about listening to the Bible? There's an app called Dwell that I've used before. The cool thing from, about this is you can choose from six different voicings. Set it to some ambient music, because that really gets us in, in the zone. And have the scripture read to you or read over you. And so you can have the warm and sophisticated Dave from England with his British accent, if you, if you like, uh, Will, last week. Or the casual and conversational Mark from North America. This is the same app that Pastor Matt Chandler of the Village Church says makes him want to punch the devil in the face as he is listening to Felix with his East African accent reading the Psalms over him. So you can listen to the Bible, right? You can, on your commute, I've done it at the gym, as you're, you know, lifting weights. I can do all, no, no, no. There's something different about hearing the Bible, especially uh, since much of the Bible was, was meant to be heard and read aloud. And if apps aren't your thing, you can also go to the BibleGateway.com uh, website and just click on that triangle, the play button, and they have a whole list of audio Bibles to choose from. All right, here's another way, right? If you, if you find yourself reading scripture, not really absorbing it because you think you know it well already and you've read it many times before, slow yourself down. One way to do that is to mark up your Bible. So I, I've bought some nice markers, these Pigma Micron markers. Black is for notes and thoughts, and red is for noting patterns or, or connections, and blue is for underlining. And if the thought of writing in your Bible makes you anxious, you know, some of us in ICF and Charis, we have these ESV scripture journals that we've used uh, in our Bible study, and allows us to write in these journals without worrying about messing up the word of God. Another way to slow yourself down. In high school, my, my Bible teacher had us make these Protestant prayer beads, which I still have today. So we went to the store, and I really wanted a nice one, so I spent a, a load of money on getting these really nice beads. And you know, I have a, a tiny cross at the bottom. I wanted a bigger one, but the store didn't have a bigger one. We put it together. And we basically chose different Bible verses that we would memorize and, and pray repeatedly as our prayers. We would pray scripture. And the beads, essentially, they helped us keep count. So we wouldn't need to focus on how many times did I say this and when do I start saying the next verse. And so I would pray one of, one of these verses from um, my list was uh, Psalm 28.7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults and with my song I give thanks to him. And I would pray that over and over again, reflecting on the truth of God's word. And if prayer beads kind of make you uncomfortable, that's okay. Just, just practice memorizing scripture. Memorizing portions of scripture to fill your mind and heart with the word of God. One other thing that has helped me remain in God's word is where I choose to do it. Pick a place to abide in his word, a place that doesn't have other strong associations with it. And you might have to pick more than one because otherwise you'll, you'll find yourself telling, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll end up telling yourself, well, you know, I can't read God's word today. I'm not, you know, I'm not in my place. I'm not at home or I'm not under that tree or, or what have you. So probably pick more than one. 
The point is, if you choose to read God's word, and maybe for some of you, if you choose to read God's word in bed and it works, that's great. But if you're like me, the bed is for sleeping. Uh, and so y- you should probably find a new place because you'll be there, you read, and your eyes will start to droop, and your mind is saying no, but your body is telling you yes. All right, up to this point, all the examples I gave have to do with reading God's word. And while our aim is to hear from God directly in Scripture, there are other resources available that can help us continue in what we've learned and firmly believe. New Morning Mercies, the devotional book that I know some of us in this congregation use and, and read from. The Daily Gospel devotional that really helps us to reveal the sins of our hearts and our need for God's grace. And each devotional also has a Bible passage. So you can read that too and and apply what we've been talking about. Here's another one. New City Catechism. There's an app for this as well, if you don't want to buy the book. 52 questions and answers that help us learn the core doctrines of what we believe. And so it's helpful for us to learn, to memorize, and to internalize us to know how to articulate and verbalize what it is that we actually believe. So, for example, question one, what is our only hope in life and death? That we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it gives you a verse, Romans 14, 7 to 8, for none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or we die, we are the Lord. There's 52. You could do a, a question and answer a week. And there's a kid's version, too. And they turned it into songs, too. So it's on iTunes and Spotify and what have you. For those of you who are older, it's the new We Sing. Tim Keller, you know, from his introduction to this book, shares from his own experience. So he writes, when my son, when my son Jonathan was a young child, my wife Kathy and I started teaching him a children's catechism. And so in the beginning, we worked on just the first three questions. Who made you? God. What else did God make? God made all things. Why did God make you and all things? For his own glory. So one day, Kathy dropped Jonathan off at a babysitter's. And at one point, the babysitter discovered Jonathan looking out the window. What are you thinking about, she asked. God, he said. To pride... Surprised, she responded, what are you thinking about, God? He looked at her and replied, how he made all things for his own glory. (laughs) And she thought she had a spiritual giant on her hands. A little boy looking out the window, contemplating the glory of God in all creation. What had actually happened, obviously, was that her question had triggered this question-answer response in him. He answered with the catechism. He certainly didn't have the slightest idea at his age fully what the glory of God meant, but the concept was in his mind and his heart waiting to be connected with new insights, teachings, and experiences. And such instruction, whether for our children or for ourselves, is like firewood in a fire. Without the fire, the spirit of God, the firewood would not itself produce the warming flame. But without fuel or the firewood, instruction, there can be no fire either. And so this is what this instruction does to us and our children. 
the same as we saw for Timothy, who from childhood was acquainted with the Scriptures. I'm sure he didn't fully understand the Old Testament and all the laws and everything at, at age five, but it prepared him. It made him wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Similar resources, this uh, site called Tiny Theologians, training tools for the youngest members of God's household because their theology will come from somewhere. So they have these flashcards that some of my friends have used. So instead of A for apple, A is for atonement. <laughs> B is not for boy, B is for baptism. B is for communion, and it goes on. So I, I think at this point you have more than enough already, right? Giving you an exhaust, a pretty long list. Continue in what you've learned and firmly believe. Stay in the scriptures. Remain in the scriptures. And as we do so, we ask that God would work mightily through his word to help us get unstuck spiritually. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for you are a personal God. You have chosen to come and, and speak to us most clearly and reliably in the Bible. So, Father, help us. Help us out of the darkness that we experience, uh, out of the, the, the pitfalls and, and the holes that we find ourselves in. And we ask for your word, for you to speak loudly, boldly, clearly into our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray.